Lucifer Podcast is brought to you by the Cage Club Network. For all things comics, movies, media, music, and more, check out the Cage Club Network. That's cageclub.me. around the world are flocking to the nation of Krakoa to be a part of the first ever mutant society, but since the assassination of Charles Xavier, their sense of safety has been shattered and the island is on lockdown. Suddenly, Krakoa security is in question, but the X-Men stand ready to protect mutant kind. God help us. That is, of course, the introduction to X-Men number two. We are here to discuss Fallen Angels number one, X-Men number two. This is We Are Krakoa. I'm Nico. I'm Dylan. I'm Kyle. And I'm Jonah, and we hope you survived the experience, unlike Charles Xavier. Yeah, you know... Bro's got a real hole in his head, and something I really appreciate about that is we went into X-Force with some hesitation that it was going to be taken seriously as a narrative, and there is not a single moment of this that says anything otherwise. It's actually incredible, because in the back of every issue of Hoxpox, and now in the back of every issue of Dawn of X, there's been a timeline with arrows indicating, hey, this is the issue you're on, as if you couldn't tell from the cover. However, do check out wearekrakoa.com. There are so many amazing covers to these issues. We're putting together some timelines for everybody to be able to follow along with kind of like a handy-dandy cover guide to make it a little bit easier. But back to the point at hand, the guide in the back has indicated that the series should be read X-Men number one, Marauders number one, Excalibur number one, New Mutants, X-Force, and Fallen Angels. And it turns out that's pretty spot on. Fallen Angels immediately references the events of X-Force number one, and X-Men number two talks all about it. It's really interesting to see the interplay of continuity. Dylan, it's been a long road for the X-Men to get back to this level of super tight serialized storytelling. It kind of harkens to the days of new X-Men and Extreme X-Men, which we've said we miss a number of times. Yes, I miss having all the books interact with each other, even though one of my most favorite books in recent history is X-Factor, which kind of stayed away from the serialized books all mingling together. But with this new dawn of X, it is a lot better to have all the stories intertwine with each other. This is really my first time where I'm reading a whole bunch of books where they're all intertwining, and I absolutely love it. The fact that it feels like if I don't read all of these books, I'm going to miss out on something involving these mutants, and it's it's just really cool to have that kind of level of detail in all of these stories. I completely agree with you, Kyle, and I am hopeful of the lamenting about books interplaying with one another. And I think this is what Jonathan Hickman's going for. Nico brought up the details of the reading list in the back of all of the Dawn of X issues, but if you actually look at the file names for all of those, it's World of X. And that's what I think Jonathan Hickman's grand vision for all of this is expanding upon the vastness of the X-Men world. Having so many different titles is kind of critical for X-Men at this point because there are so many different characters that deserve to have their stories told that I really don't think X-Men can ever go back to having 
two titles or three running simultaneously, but those three don't really interact with one another. I don't I don't think it work anymore. Although I actually was a really big fan of being able to buy one title a week all summer. That was really cool. I liked not losing my wallet. But the name of the game is Advancing and Moving the Story Forward, and that seems to be what we're doing these days over in the Dawn of X. Fallen Angels number one by Hill, Kurdansky, and Darmada was probably my sleeper hit of the Dawn of X. I think I loved every single page. I don't think I felt a single moment was wasted. Did anybody else feel as positively and passionately about Fallen Angels as I did? Oh my god, I did too. I did. (laughs) I absolutely loved Fallen Angels. When it came to the Dawn of X books, I was super excited about New Mutants, and it did not disappoint, and I was really intrigued about Fallen Angels and I actually kind of really liked Fallen Angels more than New Mutants. I am really, really happy that we are getting a story for Quanin. I feel like the weirdness of Marvel Comics taking Betsy and making her a sexualized Asian character is finally getting some sort of an apology (laughs) in a sense, but I'm glad that Quanin is getting a story. And it's an awesome story. She's amazing. I love her. I love her. She's so fucking cool. Oh, yeah. This was a complete surprise for me. I was drawn in by the art and the story's intrigue. The fact that we're kind of getting a giant murder mystery with this. It's just, it's kind of hitting me in just the right point that I that I really want from this story. I've been kind of nervous because I never know what to make of a book by an untested creative team from my experience, you know, a creative team I haven't read too much of, and then you give me this cast, and like, I'm a huge Psylocke fan, but like, I'm probably a bigger Betsy than Psylocke fan, and I'm a huge Cable fan, and as much as I love Teen Cable, I know older Cable, and I'm an enormous Laura fan, but I'm probably a bigger Wolverine fan. So, in so many ways, Fallen Angels is about the shadow of more significant characters, and the way they're going to interact as the shadow of mutant society. I liked everything from the moment I opened the book, but the point at which I was like, this book understands my fandom was that fucking Magneto scene? That was like the best fucking page of Magneto in some unbelievable time, and there has been quite a bit of competition of late. People who have listened to previous episodes know that I have this weird thing for Daddy Magneto, and I completely agree. That was one of my favorite parts of the book. This is the Magneto that I love, that he knows there's a certain way that he's supposed to act now being on Krakoa, but he also knows that there's certain ways that people need to act or certain things that need to be done to move forward. And especially with Xavier out of commission for right now, he can let some things slide. Not just let something slide. It's him saying, I forgot conversations in the wake of mourning over Charles' death. It really lets you know that Magneto is a chess master and he's playing 4D chess by himself, yet that's what he's supposed to be doing. He's looking at a lot of different moves and a lot 
lot of different pathways of how to get things done, and he's willing to let a lot of things go as long as it doesn't come back to bite him specifically, which is why he directed Psylocke to Mr. Sinister, who may I also say was pretty fucking amazing in this issue. Oh, Mr. Sinister was delicious in this issue. And you know what? I love that you said Chessmaster because this is the first time I'm realizing that Xavier is in black and Magneto is in white. This is the first time I am realizing that. That's a really good observation. And now, what's even more interesting is Xavier is hiding his face while Magneto's helmet has become his recognizable visage. So, it's such an interplay of ideas and pieces coming together. I loved that Mr. Sinister scene. Sassy Sinister is up there with Kid Cable and Daddy Magnus as one of those gifts that the the Dawn of X just keeps gifting. Correct. I mean, like everybody else, I absolutely loved Magneto. Sinister, I loved him, but I'm getting a kind of weird feeling from him at the same time. I'm not sure just yet what it is, but the fact that he was feigning not being interested with Psylocke's request, and then he turned around and he's like, oh, this is interesting, or something like that. I don't know. I'm not sure how to really feel about it just yet. I just love Sinister way too much and I love this foppish (laughs) British Sinister. This over-the-top fantasy myth villain. He is so dramatic in his posturing, in his movements, and you know, the pointy metal teeth don't hurt, but something that is so important to Sinister's every move is Sinister is almost a mutant actuary. He's more concerned with the possibility of outcome and finding the best possibility of outcome than he is in his current comfort. And to that end, anyone who's read any of the 90s crossovers can verify there is no one on this earth who hates Apocalypse quite as much as Mr. Sinister. I kind of feel like this Sinister is happy to do something with Quanin because she's a wild card. No one knows who she is, and this is the first X-Man, basically, that's wanting to do something, even though they were told not to. So I think he might see this as a future opportunity. Not to mention all of his connections to the Weapons Plus program over the years. The Ray Fox and Charles Sewell, amongst many others, post-Wolverine, Wolverine's Death of Wolverine, Logan Legacy sort of line of books established that Mr. Sinister has long-standing ties to Logan. And then Wolverine Origins 2 reinforced those notions. So if Sinister is possibly going to be getting his hands in people, it would not be surprised if one of those people he was going after would be Laura, who played a really beautiful, pivotal role in this story. And I think Laura helped me focus the lens that I needed this book to focus through. Quanin represents a character who has been through such transformation. She has been so remade over and over again. And Laura, remade over and over again. Cable, remade over and over again. But the difference is, Laura and Nate are soldiers. Even in the ways they are both leaders, and I don't question that they're leaders, but they become what the world needs. Quanin is refusing to let another person dictate who the fuck she's going to be ever the fuck again. And don't you forget it. I mean, obviously, she is a victim of machinations greater than herself. We actually just recorded the Wolverine episodes that are going to run in 
Bebby. And they have some really interesting insights, and I'm really excited for everybody to get to all of our stuff about being a player in this morality play. And I really do think we are seeing Quanin being manipulated by some bigger force, but there's this moment where she makes it clear that now she is the agent of transformation, not just the receiver of those transformations. When she says to Laura, and what do you deserve, Laura? To which she says, a life without Logan's shadow. So when do we leave? I really loved that moment. I thought it was hot as hell. As I stand in my office recording this, I'm looking around the room at my Laura Canteen, at my Laura Prince. I think she's just such a great character. I'm so excited that she's here. And this book is making it very clear that she has her own identity, and they're not looking to play at anyone else's game. Jonah, was this your first Laura? Comic book Laura, yes. She's a prominent character in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, and she was really badass in it, so I liked her. And I've also seen Logan, but except for the last 20 minutes of the movie. Don't ask why. No, no, um, trust me. I was... watched Moulin Rouge, <laughs> except for the last 10 minutes, for the same reasons. Or you could skip the first 10 minutes of The Sixth Sense, and then it's really shocking at the end. That's really what M. Night wanted you to do. Friend of the pod, M. Night. Friend of the pod, M. Night. Actually, it's kind of like Dan where the N is silent. His name is actually Knight, so... Again, UFO joke. As Nico mentioned, we are far ahead in our recording, and one of the things we did uh, record recently was Dazzler, and how a woman was not treated properly within the writing staff of Marvel. These two women... I really appreciate the bond that's starting to grow. Something that I'm always very careful to look at is relationships between other women and how they're portrayed and how they're written. And this might be one of my top female duos of how they react to one another and how they very much complement one another, even if they don't realize it just yet. And I really, really do appreciate that two independently strong female characters can coexist with without it being some form of a competition or it's starting to get toxic. These two women being written kind of perfectly and it's kind of a weird fit. I don't think anyone would have ever thought storyline-wise that Laura and Quanin would be two really good people to be partnered up together, but Quanin is an assassin and I mean she's basically kind of a female Wolverine we kind of got to see her super super deadly side in the recent run of Uncanny before Age of X-Man and I kind of feel like this is Laura's way of not wanting to be in Wolverine's shadow but still have that person to look up to and Quanin is a very perfect choice to be kind of a new mom. What I really enjoyed about this connection with Quanin and Laura is that they both realize that they have a responsibility. They have something that they specialize in and they don't need to drag somebody else into it who has a chance at a better life. They don't want to, or I should say, Laura doesn't want to risk Cable losing out on this new life that he's been given and i just love that and you brought up obviously my favorite character in the book cable is not just my favorite character in the book but cable is one of my favorite fictional characters of all time and i am always very understanding of people writing a cable that i don't care for because he is a character that like logan has such a multifaceted personality it can be really difficult for a writer to hit the version of cable that everybody likes every time so I really respect when a writer doesn't like get it right on, but I thought this 
cable and his playfulness. He was just chill getting punched in the face. That really <laughs> was cable for me. <laughs> it was a really great moment. I thought it was a lot of fun. And I think that brings us to the most shocking element of this book. This book focuses on godhood a lot. And I find that the X-Men are leaning into this sort of evolutionary mysticism a bit more. Gods possessing beings in a very different way than perhaps old school Claremont body swaps. And as Cable is forever tied to those six magnificent letters Ascani, he's always going to have a bit of a magical bend to him. And for my money, he lends some credence to this whole apoth, psychic, evil creature thing. I find myself really fascinated by the journey these three soldiers are going on. I really, really like this iteration of all three of these characters, and I'm genuinely excited for the bold new direction that the X-Men are going on. This feels like a dramatic new point for the books, and I couldn't be happier to see Cable Quanin, who at best has been given the roughest shake ever. I mean, literally, she's a poppet. Like, she's actually a fucking poppet. And it's so great to see Laura, who, I mean, like, I don't mean this shitty, but, like, if there is a character in the last 20 years who has been given every opportunity, and don't get me wrong, deserved every one of them and taken every one of them, it is X-23. X-23 has never wanted for Spotlight, I would say. One other thing I wanted to say about Fallen Angels, I don't know how many people pay attention to this, but like Kyle said, the art in this book is amazing. Beyond amazing. The panels on almost every page, even the lines to separate the panels in almost all of these pages was done with some sort of art. Like at the beginning of the book, the panels are separated by branches and flowers. And then there's just other parts for whenever Quanin has a dream or a flashback, there's leaves flying through all of them. It's something minor, but I love art. So I just love the fact that even the panels are beautifully done and done almost differently on each page. And speaking of which, the flashbacks of Quanin's, we learned in this issue that Quanin has a child that we've never heard of, which kind of gives it a Kill Bill vibe, and that might be one of the reasons that Fallen Angels is, like, one of my favorites in Dawn of X. It's one of those situations where every page looks like a cover. It's absolutely astounding, the level of quality, and honestly, every page reads like poetry. It's one of the most incredible achievements, I think, to come out of the X office in some time, and again, this is a season rife with competition. The end of this book, Quanin talking to Sinister and her telling him that she was going to put a team together and that she needed him to keep that from the council. It echoes the past couple of years of any time an X-Force was created and either Wolverine would keep it from the X-Men or Cyclops would keep it from the X-Men and that's kind of awesome as well. I think it works better with Fallen Angels and X-Force as the mutant CIA. Absolutely. Do we know anybody who's joining this from covers or solicits or anything? Oh, of course we do. The most important Guthrie. Jay Guthrie? Be quiet. Nobody knows anyone besides Paige or Sam. Or Melody. But yes, Husk oh, is joining. Right. No one knows who Melody is. I know all of the Guthries, okay? They're a thing I, I like. Do. 
Nico, I think you and I are the only two that know all of them. So I believe there's nine nine of them. Yeah. Also, Bling will be joining them too. And she's an LGBT character. So that is nice as well. Yeah, this book's really hitting everything I need. Speaking of X-Force, I think Fallen Angels for me did the grittier, real, more serious story better than X-Force. Something about X-Force just threw me the wrong way where I don't know if I could take it as serious as I take as I took Fallen Angels, and I just wanted to give compliments to the combination of the writing and the art team for Fallen Angels for it being able to deliver a book that kept me on the edge of my seat and literally sent chills down my spine through every page that I was reading, as opposed to the other more serious adult book that just left me very confused. I honestly think this is one of those perfect moments of writing and art coming together in a serialized storytelling format that just, it celebrates the medium the way these two came together. I really don't know that I could sing the praises of Fallen Angels number one any better. Guys, we're standing on the ass end of all six number ones of the first wave of Dawn of X. That means we've sampled a little bit of each title. I think the whole world kind of collectively agrees that while Powers of Ten was a great read, House of X was the spellbinder. Without both, I don't know that I would love either as much. So in that regard, I kind of can't pull them apart. But I do kind of think the Dawn of X books break out a little bit more. And I would love to run down everybody list of their top six books. So, Kyle, what's your list look like? From these six, my least favorite is probably New Mutants. That was the one that I was super excited about, but then ended up kind of disappointed. I still enjoyed it, but it wasn't my favorite in the set. Next up was X-Force, just because everything else just felt better. Number four for me was X-Men, followed by Excalibur, Fallen Angels at number two, and Marauders at number one. Take it away, Dylan. My least favorite out of all the books is actually X-Men. I know we're going to talk about it, but I just don't think there was anything super awesome about it. I'm going to agree with Kyle on the fifth spot, X-Force. My fourth one is Excalibur, then Marauders, and New Mutants and Fallen Angels is kind of a tie for me, but I really liked Fallen Angels more, so New Mutants is second and Fallen Angels is one. All right, Cardinal, bam it in. Well, after my big spiel, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that my number six is X-Force. My number five is X-Men number one, and it only is at number five because I liked everything else more. I don't think it's a bad book by any means. My number four is Excalibur. My number three is New Mutants. My number two is Fallen Angels, and my number one is Marauders. My list is surprising and unsurprising. I also have X-Force at number six, but I think maybe for the first time in my life, I've put Excalibur at number five. I have Marauders the furthest down at number four, I have New Mutants at number three, same as Jonah. I have X-Men out of control high at number two. And then I have Fallen Angels at number one because that was just a hell of a book. 
So taking a look at the numbers, it's actually not hard to see that we have some pretty consistent trends in how we feel as a show. And I'm not surprised because, you know, other than a couple of things here and there, we've all been pretty in line. Most of the Dawn of X, as a team, we have in last place X-Force, then X-Men, followed by Excalibur, the New Mutants, the Marauders, and then in first place, as a team, we've put Fallen Angels at number one. Guys, is anybody surprised to hear after our discussions that X-Force came in last place and Fallen Angels came in first place? I think if you told our past selves after Hoxpox was finished, that was our collective aggregate of their scores, I think we would have laughed at that person. When Hoxpox ended, I don't think if you would have asked us what book we collectively thought was going to be the number one book, I never in a million years would have put money on Fallen Angels. Part of me wonders if it has to do with the fact that X-Force was used so much to further the plot, right? I wonder if that plot furthering made it so low. And I actually conversely wonder if the humor making Marauders kind of like the soft, sweet, funny book. I wonder if the humor of Marauders is what launched it to our second place pick. I think it's a mix of the humor and kind of funny badassery that's going on, like the debauchery that's going on. But it's also, at least for us, I think we're all big Kitty Pride fans. I think we're all big Emma Frost fans. And I don't think it's any surprise that that book would be rated highly with two top contenders for our ex-favorites. I am all for Pirate Kitty and behind-the-scenes Emma. Oh, that behind-the-scenes Emma moment. Ugh, all of that. Ugh, so brilliant. I completely <laughs> forgot that that's the book that's got Emma being a secret badass. <laughs> also, I just wanted to say that my whole surprise with Fallen Angels is due to the legacy of its name. Oh, absolutely. I was absolutely not expecting anything out of this, and it just blew my mind with how good it was. Fallen Angels, as we will get get to in 80s Mutant Mania, one of the most unfortunate eras of New Mutants. It is a well-intended miniseries that misses the mark in every conceivable way. Time has not been kind to it, but a genuine kindness on the part of fandom to learn to forgive books that were never expected to be read 40 years later has helped it age gracefully into the age of collections. I'm shocked that I'm the only one that has X-Men in their top three Like, I can't fucking believe that. I mean, like, Dylan, sixth? Come on, man. Kyle, fourth? I love you, buddy. And Jonah, Jonah, fifth? And I i mean, no, for real, I completely understand. It was only number two for me because of all of the character moments. I understand that it absolutely hit my sweet spot over and over again. It was an amazing utilization of so many characters that I love. So I get it. But why was it so low for everyone else? For me, it was at number four because there were just other books that I felt stronger about. It wasn't that I didn't like it. It's just that I liked other books more than that one. For me, I feel the other books, especially Marauders, New Mutants, and Excalibur, of course, for Fallen Angels, I feel like those books started something brand new for all of those characters. And this kind of just seemed like it was still like the end of Hoxpox and the Summers family just walking around the house. process of Hickman having to manage so many books, maybe it's possible that his personal title kind of took a back seat 
to all of the plotting that he's been up to. That makes sense. I haven't ranked so low for some of the reasons to Kyle. It was basically the Summer's Family Value show. <laughs> That's what I got out of it, which isn't a bad thing. As I said, I don't think it's a bad issue. There were just more things that attracted me to those books versus the other ones. I will say X-Men and Excalibur are probably closer. And the only reason why I put Excalibur higher for me personally is because Betsy as Captain Britain is everything I didn't know I needed in life. So there's that. Absolutely. And fascinating to talk about the first issues of these series and everything they set up. But I kind of, for the life of me, having read X-Men number two, can't fucking figure out how they didn't just release it as like a giant size number one. I guess it's because of the X-Force reveal. But guys, it looks like we've had so much to talk about with the first six number ones that we're going to have to stave off talking about X-Men number two. But it would be crazy to jump out of here without at least mentioning the fact that as a group, we predicted that Araka would be an enormous deal in the new Dawn of X. So I got to know, what did everybody think of Island Sex? I was weirded out. Everything made me uncomfortable. I was so about everything that was going on on the second island. The story was great. It was fun. I think this is one of the funniest issues I've read, and that's in thanks to Kid Cable in how he is written. It was absolutely a joy and a half to read how funny he is, but everything else just made me super uncomfortable, and it was a lot of tentacles, and it was just a lot of slimy white. I just No, no, no. Keep it all away from me. The thing that made me the most uncomfortable, for the record, was the part where Apocalypse goes up to the creepy white baby man and is like, I see my daughter's seed in you. What? No. Never ever describe someone looking like their parents as being able to see their seed in them. That, uh... Walk up to your crush's parents like, I'm a fan of your seed. (laughs) Oh, man, that's, that's... Was anybody else repulsed or uncomfortable by this issue? I was just really confused. I completely forgot about the whole Arako thing, and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. It was a confusing thing. There was so much that he was packing into such a small space, and that's really his thing. For everything we complained about, X-Men number one having not enough going on, X-Men two had more island fucking in it than any other comic I've read this year. (laughs) I hope there's no other comics that ever have that in it. I... That would just be really weird. Wow. I didn't know you guys were so close-minded. Okay. (laughs) Well, on that note, clearly, Kyle, until we come back to, I guess, hate on some Morocco love. Kyle, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on both Twitter and Instagram at Drantis82. Dylan, where can everybody find you? Everybody can find me on Facebook at my X-Men Facebook group that is called House of X. And you can also find me being weird on Instagram at Warpath underscore Dylan. That is Warpath underscore D-Y-L-A-N. Jonah, where can everybody find you? Having the mutant formerly known as Apocalypse look at my seat. Ugh. Or you, can find- <laughs> <laughs> or you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jonah Rubino and at Jonah.Rubino. Nico, where can everybody find you? Love is love is love <laughs> is love. <laughs> Ugh, God. Oh, boy. In this day and age, I have to find.
fight for the rights of islands. God damn. You guys can find me all over this amazing network on this show right here and HTML husband's talking more or less which I do with my husband. Don't forget to check out both feeds of this show. The 80s Mutant Mania feed on Mondays as well where we are killing it covering the 1980s and its mutant sum totality. Check out wearecrocoa.com our new mute resource where you can check out all sorts of important mutant things and you can find me on Instagram at NicoAction that's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N and until next time when we come back to guys I really think you're being too hard on these islands finding like it's I don't know I just want everyone to be happy and now that we know that Krakoa is a person like why do you guys want to see we'll see you guys next time bye so cavalier